0: As an update for tonight's game, which you can see on TSN4 between the Devils and the Leafs, Ryan O'Reilly, we just got an update on his broken finger. He got surgery this morning, and his timeline timeline rather is four weeks, as per head coach Sheldon Keefe. And with that, let's bring in our TSN hockey insider, Darren Drager. Dregs, how's it going this morning?
1: Yeah, it's going well. Um, you know, just kind of dissecting and digesting the, the news that's coming out of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and yeah, I see some that look at this as potentially worst-case scenario, and, and I don't see it that way. I mean, obviously, it's not great. You, you lose a key piece like Ryan O'Reilly, um, You know, despite the fact that he's only been in Toronto uh, for a short period of time. It's, it's still a significant piece that you're not going to have access to for at least a month. But worst-case scenario is final week of the regular season, right? You're on the cusp of going into the playoffs. You know, Sheldon Keith has mapped out his experimentation of, you know, what his lines look like. There's stability and all of those things. And then you lose, again, such a, a significant and influential player like Ryan O'Reilly. It's not great having him out of the lineup. Nonsense to suggest that. But, you know, if it's going to happen, probably the best time for it to happen, right? Uh, you know, he'll he'll be out because of the surgery for a minimum of of four weeks, but he'll be able to skate and and do some things. He just can't shoot, you know, he can't grasp the stick anytime soon. So there's always worst case scenario, and this isn't it.
2: Hey, we've seen this happen before. Remember Nas Nasim Kadri in the playoffs last year? He went on to play pretty well with uh, with that finger right. issue yeah. that he had. But uh, I, I don't I don't have worries about Ryan O'Reilly. But if you could, I guess, speak to those who look at this, see the injury, and then think to themselves, "Oh no, another Felino situation." What would you say to those people?
1: Well, I mean, how do you compare? You know, as a general manager, you know, when you're trying to improve your club. That's what you're investing in is the improvement. If if you're worrying about you know short-term success or in this case injury and, and you know revisiting history as they did with Felino, then you're never making trades. There's no guarantee when these players come to your organization that they're going to play 82 regular season games healthy as a horse and lead you into the playoffs. Right? Um, I mean it's it's bad luck, but when when you're a player like Ryan O'Reilly injury kind of comes with the territory based on on the way he plays. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, he's he's this rugged run over type of player. Um he's very physical, don't get me wrong, but he puts himself in tough situations and that's because of the character that he is. He goes into those hard areas where you're going <clears> to <throat> take a beating in front of the net. You know, you're you're going to get hit by some pucks, you're going to block shots. I mean, that's that's just in the DNA of Ryan O'Reilly and by, by a certain extent, Nick Felino back, you know, a couple of years ago. So I, I don't look at, at those two trades, you know, the same way. Um, and also I look at the Toronto Maple Leafs as a whole much differently today than I did when Nick Felino doing the Maple Leafs, right? I mean, they weren't ready to push and now they are. So this one more time is going to test the core. I mean, it, Kyle Dubas didn't do anything to the core. What he did was insulate them and brought in a core piece like Ryan O'Reilly. So now it's about opportunity for for some other players. But I I think this investment is sound because it's not just O'Reilly. It's also Noel Achari, who I think Leafs fans can see is a very helpful player.
0: Yeah, who are some players, uh, Dregs, in your opinion, with Tavares and O'Reilly tonight that have an opportunity here to, to show Leafs Nation and Sheldon Keefe what they're all about?
1: Yeah, well, I haven't seen the the lineup yet. Is you know, I saw Holmberg was called up. He's he's an interesting piece for me. I've got time for him, uh, serviceable, right? And and that's really the way you design your 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 fourth line. Not that those parts are interchangeable, but when you've got the depth that the Toronto Maple Leaf slash Marlies have in that regard. Uh, it is uh, an advantage. I, I I've seen enough of Pontus Holmberg to want to see more out of him. And I I was one of those who wondered, you know, why the Maple Leafs seemed to to lean as much as they did on uh, on on some of their other depth forwards. So you know, there's one. Um, you know, beyond that, again with with Tavares out, you're taking two top six guys out. So that means Alex Kerfoot obviously is is being elevated, and that's also why you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs didn't want to trade him. You know, it, it would have made sense from a financial perspective, uh, but he is a bit of a Swiss Army knife, even though he can be frustrating at times. You can comfortably play him in your top six, but if he's on your fourth line, then you're pretty solid. So, again, without knowing what the starting lineup is tonight, uh, I like the depth in the, in, in the Toronto Maple Leafs' bottom six. I, I really do, whether it's... a you know, uh, an AHL slash NHL guy like Holmberg or it's Aston Reese. Um, you know, where's Sam Lafferty fitting in? I mean, go down the list. They're pretty deep, I would say.
2: Well, Sam Lafferty is, is the interesting player because had a birthday yesterday and was rewarded with uh, an elevation up into the top six. Yeah. And he's going to play second-line center tonight with Tavares out of the yeah. equation. Like, what expectations would you have on him up in that Well, world?
1: you know, i, I got to tell you, Mike, uh, maybe one of the more underrated elements of his skill set is how well he has taken draws and that mm-hmm. was the scouting report on Sam Lafferty coming in. Yeah there are other aspects of his game I mean the speed you can see that um, you know he's got some bite to him we can see that so you always need a little bit more sandpaper but what seemed to get overlooked was just again how strong he was in taking face off so in the short period of time that he's been with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I mean, I, I think they've seen that and they would recognize that in his game prior to the trade. So, again, there's there's an example of a player who uh, gives you more than just bottom six coverage. You know, if he's if he's in your bottom six and and he will be when they're healthy, clearly, you know, third or fourth line, then uh, you got to like the look of your team up front. And that's again to revisit the O'Reilly situation. You know, less so with uh, John Tavares. I mean, that's a bit of a weird one, given how, uh, you know, the coach acknowledged that he wasn't feeling right, and yet he skated in the gray sweater and, yeah. and with the defense. It's a bit sketchy. I mean, it, if it's health related, 100 percent health related, and automatically when we see big hits, and I know I'm shifting gears on you guys here, but when you see the big hits that we saw in the Vancouver game, and you see Tavares get tagged a couple of times you all you automatically want to leap to a conclusion oh geez well if he doesn't feel right you know is that a symptom what is that Mm -hmm. um you know we don't know because they're only going to take us so far into the medical equation and i i i respect that i mean there is such a thing as uh as as just you know being confidential with with private health matters even though it frustrates some reporters i get that too um but you know, when, with, with Tavares out of the mix now, it, it does complicate things a little bit, O'Reilly, longer term, because Sheldon definitely wanted to experiment with, you know, certain looks, so that when you get in situations later in the regular season, maybe in the playoffs, you can rely on a combination that, you went, hey, geez, you know, we did that for a period in game X, and that, that group, that tandem, especially, these two guys seem to fit pretty well. So when you go through injuries like every team does, it, it does get a little bit tricky. But, you know, again, credit to the general manager for bringing in the reinforcements because maybe Toronto can get through these growing pains here.
0: Could you give us, a, I know it's a kind of a dicey situation with Tavares, do you have a level of concern maybe or, or will you wait to evaluate how you feel about the situation based on whether or not he plays Saturday?
1: Yeah, I, even then, I'm not so sure. Again, I I think it was a pretty good sign that uh, you know he he skated for as long as he did. Yeah. Um, you know, if there was something more concerning, concussion related, um, you know, muscle related, I, I mean, they would have given him the practice off. Like, what's the point of going out there? So, I think we're in the start of load management. Um, which is different than trade-related reasons. Apparently, we're going to have now descriptions for these players missing from about Christmas on moving forward here. But we're in the territory of, of load management. I mean, if he's not in the lineup on Saturday, then you, you clearly start to, to question, okay, well, what exactly is going on here? And that's when, in a market like Toronto, we can be very pressing right mm-hmm. um, because hey it was the coach who said he didn't feel right he was off okay well what does that mean now you know now he's missed a couple of games so there's got to be more to it than just feeling off but I'm not prepared to do that yet we need a bit more evidence
2: yeah I, I agree we'll wait but it is a little bit it's unsettling I guess the the verbiage that yeah. Keith used was a little unsettling uh, with <clears throat> uh, with Darren Dreger, at TSN, mm, a little hockey, player, like it. it was. Uh, I got something in the throat there. I don't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to
1: hit your mute button. I do it all the time.
2: I know. I, 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 I'm not as as much as a pro as you, Dregs. When you get your throat going, you can just gut through it. I had a little bit of a, a situation here, but um, <laughs> there's been a little bit of a, a goalie debate here on TSN 1050. Of late, I'm sure you've been having it in a lot of your circles. I'm sure you know the group chat with all the insiders might be having <laughs> similar discussions. Um, I happen to. And Julia's with me, actually, I believe. Um, We happen to kind of be the odd man out in this discussion here at the station, thinking that Samsonov, if he doesn't implode down the stretch, he just continues to be the consistent player he is, he should be the game one starter, even if Matt Murray is healthy, whereas the guys on the morning show and even the guys on OD yesterday saying they want it to be Murray, and and if he's healthy, he'll be the guy. Like, Where do you stand on that debate?
1: I mean, I would lean to Murray um, because of the the resume. Right now, recent history tells us, and by recent, I mean you you dive back into Murray's time in Ottawa, and it's well documented the injury issues that he's had to endure, in the time that he's missed, and that's crept into, you know, his his uh, injury scenarios in in Toronto as well. But for the most part, when he's healthy, he's given the Maple Leafs good starts and decent goaltending. And you know, when it comes to you know playing in a high octane environment, high pressure, all of those things, I think winning matters. And he's got Stanley Cups on his resume. So unless it's abundantly obvious that Samsonov is just the better option, and that might be the case. I mean, as we're having this conversation today, um, it's 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 a more difficult debate. If you're still undecided when you get to the end of the regular season, for me, I just I, I just I concede to history, and I look at you know the importance of Matt Murray when he was winning Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. I know that's a long time ago, but if the internal analytics and data support that, and I am including the medical data, which mm-hmm. is most important. Then I, I think you always go way of history here and experience.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thought. We're so hung up on Game One of the playoffs. Who's the guy going to yeah. be Game One of the playoffs? But the Leafs have been sending, selling this tandem to us when both guys are healthy all yep. season long. So do yep. you think there's a chance they actually play them as a tandem in the postseason?
1: Well, I, I, yes, but you know we're not talking about okay, you get a game, then he yeah. gets a game, right. then you get a game. That's that's just not realistic. That's you know, I mean. You, you, you got to go with your gut, and again, all the information that Sheldon Keith is is probably swarmed with on an hourly basis yeah. as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, I don't think you can overreact to one bad goal. Um, can you react to a sketchy game? A hundred percent. That's that's different. You know, if he lets in a couple of bad goals, whoever he is, and that sways the outcome of the game. Then, if if you're comfortable in the one in the one a dynamic, then why wouldn't you make that change? But it gets dangerous when you're just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because you're also then identifying that goaltending is the reason you're losing. And normally, that's not that's not the case. We've seen it where there have been games of collapse. Um, one comes to mind in Toronto. No, no, if you guys remember it or not, but yeah. anyway. Um, I guess at some point somebody's got to grab the reins, and that's why the debate is is fun now. It'll be less fun, and and maybe more apparent which is obvious to which goalie they're going to start the playoffs with, depending on how things shake down.
2: Yeah, I guess very much a wait and see. Everything's always a wait and see with this team. It's no, nothing matters no. until mid-April. Absolutely, well, nothing.
1: you're. you're you're right, Mike, but what, what can't happen is, is what we saw against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, yeah. you know, not just the loss, but you know, the the special teams crumbling the way that they did with the Canucks scoring two shorties. And what can happen is having the best player on the planet, Barnon, Connor McDavid taking a game over right from opening face <laughs> Like there's my point is there's gotta be better response, whether that's individual from the stars of the Maple Leafs. Or a group effort. And obviously, the coach would prefer the group effort, but they've got to get these ugly games out of their system.
2: Would you entertain a kind of a, a switch in philosophy for a couple of games in the power play like this? That's a couple of, of shorties that we've seen happen over the course of the last few weeks. Like, maybe just go for kind of like what Ottawa does, where it's not necessarily a first unit and a second unit. It's They just have two units, and they have you know skilled and good players on both, and they kind of roll their right. 50-50. Would you entertain maybe Toronto looking into that? Like, we talk about how Shelvin Keefe likes to tinker and experiment. We don't necessarily yeah. see that all that often outside of he tried the 5-4 thing for a little bit when Riley was out. Like, would right. you maybe like to see something change there?
1: Not yet. No? Not yet. I, I, I wouldn't overreact. I mean, generally speaking, that power play, you know, yeah, it's been streaky, but it can be dominant at times, too, with a level of skill that Sheldon can throw out there. Um, and I just, it gets a little too disruptive when, you know, you're trying to play a hunch uh, or over-tweak, especially when it comes to the power play, because the guys on the first and second unit of that power play, they take great, great pride. I'm sure the second unit would prefer Having more time than fifteen to twenty seconds, yeah. <laughs> that might be yeah. that might be a way you start to tinker, and they do. Like I mean, if there's nothing going on that power play, you know, the first unit out, then you can hear the, the the calling to get off. Right? I mean, that that's just normal practice for any coach in the NHL. But when you when you have the level of talent that the Toronto Maple Leafs can throw out there with those two power play units, I don't think that much tinkering is required at this point.
0: With our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger, right now. Lots of discourse happening on Twitter right now. I'm just scrolling and seeing lots of people wanting justice for for Timothy Lilligren. and, And we see what Rasmus Sandin has done in two games with the Capitals. Five points. In two games, he had a crazy assist on an Ovechkin goal last night, which I'm sure was a thrill for him. Uh, Where are you at with the Leafs' blue line? It's an interesting kind of situation that they find themselves in because you want a ton of depth going into the postseason. But then you lose a guy like Sandin, and they were well aware Sandin's going to be a top four guy when they let him go. But they wanted someone a little bit more developed in Gustafson who kind of brings the same thing but now you've got Lilligren sitting out uh in favor of guys like Shen and and Hall where are you at with the way the Leafs blue line is shaking out right now and their use yeah. of their younger player
1: well it's it's, it's ongoing experimentation right um it, it it looks like and it sounds like according to the head coach that McCabe is going to be a left side guy right so if, if that's the case um, then it feels like Timothy Lilligren needs to be in the lineup. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. You know, the, the right side has to be, what, Brody, Lilligren. Um, you've got Shen Hall in the mix. Uh, I, I I, think Luke Shen was a good add. I do. I think he's a, a high-character guy. We saw the presence that he, he brought in the start of the Vancouver game. I mean, he's delivering a message. I wonder, though, if he's an every-game player. And you know, there were some around the Vancouver Canucks that didn't think that that he was or is at this point of his career. Doesn't mean you're not getting quality in Luke Shen. It's just again, when you get into the heavy lifting of the seven game series, you know, is there enough there to to give you more than what you're getting from Timothy Lilligren? I don't have an answer for that. But I for the most part have liked the game of Lilligren. Um I think that he's had a, a, a decent season. And I think it's going to be a challenge to keep him out of the lineup, but that's a good problem to have if you're Sheldon Keith, because you know now you're you're throwing the equation of well, is it Lilligren? Is it Hall? Like who's going to be on the outside looking in? And when you look above, then you'd better have six, seven guys that are better. And I'm not so sure when I think of a couple. Uh, In comparison to Lilligrun.
2: Yeah, he's had a great season, and tonight he's going to be alongside Morgan Riley, so we'll see that pairing uh, tonight. Leafs and Devils, TSN4, Dregs will be on the panel. Um, So, around the country a little bit. Uh, Calgary last night, I mean, they got away with it, but they gave up two. Two multi goal leads through that game against Dallas and then squeak squeak one out pretty late there are they getting into like almost must win territory on a nightly basis? Yeah. like games are kind of they got many tonight. How big is that yeah. for their season?
1: yeah, I know I mean they've been in must win territory Mike for a month or so to be mm-hmm. fair and and you know Brad, the general manager was looking for some messaging you know just some level of consistency so that he could maybe get a heavier, more heavier involved in trade deadline. And, you know, he did some tinkering, but he didn't do anything really of significance. And that is a reflection of how inconsistent the Calgary Flames have been from the increased out. That's the way it's been. Um, they don't have a playoff team to meet. You know, that was a tough one for the Dallas Stars, who have also been inconsistent and in a funk of late. So they need to, to figure it out. There's still time left. But when you're as, as far out as Calgary is right now, you know, five, six points, that, that seems like an enormous sort of chasm to, to, to close or overcome. Uh, and again, especially when you weigh that against how wildly inconsistent they've played. So we'll see. I mean, one game maybe leads into a, a turnaround here, but I need to see it to believe it. And I need to see it for more than a game or two. I need to see it for, Five, seven, ten games before I buy into it.
2: Yeah, especially Markstrom. Like it, it, he, yeah. Played yeah, little, well he played very well against Toronto. No, played yeah. extremely well against Toronto. They did lose the game, however, and then he played fairly well against Minnesota, and then. Yeah, you know last night happened and it's like okay we need you know let's let's get some consistency out of out of a guy who's supposed to be a top five goaltender but i'm just looking at the standings like it's gonna be tough they're they're five points back yeah. of colorado but they've got yeah. three more games played like colorado has games yeah. in hand here it's it's tough. Nashville's in a better situation, and they were sellers at the deadline for yeah. for Pete's sake. I, I do have a question, actually, about the deadline. Kind of maybe put a little bow on things. I know that uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks for you there, but is there an under-the-radar player that kind of intrigues you that was dealt at the deadline that you think could, could sneakily make a difference for a team?
1: Hmm. Uh, well, I would have said Rasmus Sandin, um, partly because of the outburst was Washington secondarily because it's a quiz question in the uh, <laughs> Leaf game tonight, <laughs> um, you know what like Nick Bukestad in Edmonton is is interesting to me like yeah. you know we had been speculating on Bukestad why he was a good fit in Edmonton, mostly because of his cap hit, right They were looking for a one million dollar or less cap hit player. And that's what they got in Nicky Bugstad, and and you know he's he's going to give them a little bit more bite, and you know he'll he'll have some some influence on the short term and long term. You need those heavier guys to to help you go as as deep as they went last year, et cetera. I mean, I know that's not a flashy name by trade standards, but you know the other one might be, you know again Tyler Bertuzzi, like I and and not that he's an under the radar player, but Detroit had to make a call there, like. He wasn't on the market because they were in the playoff mix in the East, and then he was on the market because now they're not, and they end up trading him. And Don Sweeney swoops in at a Boston after learning the injury to Taylor Hall uh, and Foligno and just says, all right, well, I guess we have the space. Let's go out and make another deal. And He likes Tyler Bertuzzi, who I I think is underrated for this season. His numbers aren't good this year. He hasn't had a very good season, but I think that was a sneaky good ad by the Bruins.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. That one was definitely, and, and imagine, when Hall gets healthy, Felino gets healthy, yeah. now all of a sudden that's a deep, deep group. Agree. Oh, man. In Boston, that's to go along with Dmitry Orlov, who's been a point-per-game defenseman since their trade uh, as well. Uh, Dregs, really appreciate this. As always, can't wait to see you on the broadcast tonight.
1: All right, enjoy the game, guys. Thank all you. All right,
2: appreciate it. There he goes. Darren Drager, TSN Hockey Insider.